Well, hello, adventurers, and welcome to Skyrim Book Club. Today, we are proud to present the vocal talents of Sean Rowland. Sean is a musician, voice actor, and host of the Bombshell Brothers YouTube channel. Listeners will be particularly interested to know that he is also the voice talent behind the upcoming re-release of the Skyrim mod, Read Aloud Books. Upon completion, this mod will allow you to pick up any book in Skyrim and experience a fully voiced, dramatic reading of its contents. Look for it soon at Nexus Mods. We're delighted to have Sean contributing to the show, and we have no doubt that you'll look forward to the high quality and remarkable talent he brings to each of his readings. Until next time, my friends, enjoy the book. Attend Frostfall 2920, Phrygius High Rock. The creature before them blinked, senseless, its eyes glazed, mouth opening and closing as if relearning its function. A thin glob of saliva burbled down, hanging suspended between its fangs. Tarala had never seen anything of its kind before, reptilian and massive, perched on its hind legs like a man. Ministera applauded enthusiastically. "'My child,' she crowed, "'you've come so far in so short a time. What were you thinking when you summoned this Daedrith?' It took Tarala a moment to recall whether she was thinking anything at all. She was merely overwhelmed that she had reached out across the fabric of reality into the realm of oblivion, and plucked forth this loathsome creature, conjuring it into the world by power of her mind. I was thinking of the color red, Tarala said, concentrating, the simplicity and clarity of it. And then I desired and spoke the charm, and this is what I conjured up. Desire is a powerful force for a young witch, said Ministera, and it is well matched in this instance, for this Daedrath is nothing if not a simple force of the spirits. Can you release your desire as easily? Tarala closed her eyes and spoke the dismissal invocation. The monster faded away like a painting in sunlight and blinked confusedly. Ministera embraced her dark elf pupil, laughing with delight. I would never have believed it. A month and a day you've been in the coven, and you're already far more advanced than most of the women here. There is powerful blood in you, Tarala. You touch spirits like you were touching a lover. You'll be leading this coven one day. I've seen it. Tarala smiled. It was good to be complimented. The Duke of Mournhold had praised her pretty face and her family before she had dishonored them, praising her manners. Cassia had been nothing more than a companion. His compliments meant nothing. But with Ministera, she felt she was home. You'll be leading the coven for many years yet, great sister, said Tarala. I certainly intend to. But these spirits, while marvelous companions and faultless tellers of truth, are often hazy about the whens and hows. You can't blame them, really. When and how mean so little to them. Ministera opened the door to the shed, allowing the brisk autumn breeze in to dispel the bitter and fetid smells of the Daedrith. Now I need you to run an errand away, Rest. It's only a week's ride there, and a week's ride back. Bring Doriatha and Selfina with you. As much as we try to be self-sufficient, there are herbs we can't grow here, and we seem to be running through an enormous quantity of gems in no time at all. It's important that the people of the city learn to recognize you as one of the wise women of the Skeffington Coven. You'll find the benefits of being notorious far outweigh the inconvenience. Tarala did as she was bade. As she and her sisters climbed aboard their horses, Ministera brought her child, little five-month-old Bosriel, to kiss her mother goodbye. The witches were in love with the little Dunmer infant, fathered by a wicked duke, birthed by wild, alien elves in the forest heart of the empire. Tarala knew her nursemaids would protect her child with their lives. After many kisses and a farewell wave, the three young witches rode off into the bright woods under covering of red, yellow, and orange. A twelve frostfall, twenty-nine twenty, Dwinin High Rock. For a midas evening, the least loved porcupine tavern was wildly crowded. 
A roaring fire in the pit in the centre of the room cast an almost sinister glow on all of the regulars, and made the abundance of bodies look like a punishment tapestry inspired by the Octarian heresies. Cassia took his usual place with his cousin and ordered a flagon of ale. "'Have you been to see the Baron?' asked Paleth. "'Yes, he may have work for me in the palace of Euveus,' said Cassia proudly. "'But more than that I can't say. You understand secrets of state and all that. Why are there so many damned people here tonight?' "'Shipload of dark elves just came into harbour. They've come from the war. I was just waiting until you got here to introduce you as another veteran.' Cassia blushed but regained his composure enough to ask. What are they doing here? Has there been a truce? I don't know the full story, said Paleth, but apparently the Emperor and Vivek are in negotiations again. These fellas here of investments they were keen to check on, and they figured things on the bay were quiet enough. But the only way we can get the full story is to talk to these chaps. With that, Paleth gripped his cousin's arm and pulled him to the other side of the bar so suddenly Cassio would have had to struggle violently to resist. The Dunmer travellers were spread out across four of the tables, laughing with the locals. They were largely amiable young men, well-dressed, befitting merchants, animated in gesture, made more extravagant by liquor. "'Excuse me,' said Paleth, intruding on the conversation. "'My shy cousin Cassie was in the war and all, fighting for the living god Vivek.' "'The only Cassie I ever heard of,' said one of the Dunmer drunkenly with a wide, friendly smile, shaking Cassie's free hand, "'was a Cassie Whitley.' who Vivek said was the worst spy in history. We lost Ald Marek due to his bungling intelligence work. For your sake, friend, I hope the two of you were never confused. Cassia smiled and listened as the lout told the story of his failure with bountiful exaggerations which caused the table to roar with laughter. Several eyes looked his way, but none of the locals sought to explain that the fool of the tale was standing at attention. The eyes that stung the most were his cousins, the young man who had believed that he had returned to Dwinin a great hero. At some point, certainly, the Baron would hear about it, his idiocy increasing many-fold with each retelling. With every fibre in his soul, Cassia cursed the living god, Vivek. Twenty-one Frostfall, twenty-nine twenty. The Imperial City, Cyrodiil. Corda, in a robe of blinding whiteness, a uniform of the priestesses of the Higathe Morwa Conservatorium, arrived in the city just as the first winter storm was passing. The clouds broke with sunlight, and the beauteous teenaged redguard girl appeared in the wide avenue with escort, riding towards the palace. While her sister was tall, thin, angular, and haughty, Corda was a small, round-faced lass with wide brown eyes. The locals were quick to draw comparisons. "'Not a month after Lady Regia's execution,' muttered a housemaid, peering out the window and winking to her neighbour. "'And not a month out of the nunnery, either,' the other woman agreed, revelling in the scandal. "'This one's in for a ride.' Her sister won't know innocent, and look where she ended up. A twenty-four frostfall, twenty-nine twenty, Dwinin High Rock. Cassio stood at the harbour and watched the early sleet fall on the water. It was a pity, he thought, that he was so prone to seasickness. There was nothing for him now in Tamriel to the east or to the west. The vexed tale of his poor spycraft had spread to taverns everywhere. The Baron of Dwinin had released him from his contract. No doubt they were laughing about him in Daggerfall too, and Dawnstar, Lilmoth, Rimmin, Greenheart probably an Akavir and Yakuda, for that matter. Perhaps it would be best to drop into the waves and sink. The thought, however, did not stay long in his mind. It was not despair that haunted him, but rage, impotent fury that he could not assuage. "'Excuse me, sir,' said a voice behind him, making him jump. "'I'm sorry to disturb you, but I was wondering whether you could recommend an inexpensive tavern for me to spend the night.' It was a young man, a Nord with a sack over his shoulder. 
Obviously, he had just disembarked from one of the boats. For the first time in a week, someone was looking at Cassia as something other than a colossal famous idiot. He could not help, black as his mood was, but be friendly. You've just arrived from Skyrim? asked Cassia. No, sir, that's where I'm going, said the fellow. I'm working my way home. I've come up from Sentinel, and before that, Stros Mackay, and before Woodhearth and Valenwood, and before that, Arteum and Somerset. Wellig's my name. Cassia introduced himself and shook Wellig's hand. Did you say you came from Arteum? Are you a Sidic? No, sir, not anymore, the fellow shrugged. I was expelled. Do you know anything about summoning Daedra? You see, I want to cast a curse against a particularly powerful person, one might say a living god, and I haven't had any luck. The Baron won't allow me in his sight, but the Baroness has sympathy for me and allowed me the use of their summoning chambers, Cassius spat. I did all the rituals, made sacrifices, but nothing came of it. That'd be because of Sotha Sill, my old master, replied Wellig with some bitterness. The Daedra princes have agreed not to be summoned by any amateurs, at least until the war ends. Only the Sidics may counsel with the Daedra, a few nomadic sorcerers and witches. Witches, you say? 29 Frostfall, 2920, Phrygius High Rock. Pale sunlight flickered behind the mist bathing the forest as Turala, Doyatha, and Selafina drove their horses in. The ground was wet with a thin layer of frost and laden down with goods. It was a slippery way over the unpaved hills. Turala tried to contain her excitement about coming back to the coven. Wayrest had been an adventure, and she adored the looks of fear and respect the city folk gave her, but for the last few days all she could think of was returning to her sisters and her child. A bitter wind whipped her hair forward so she could see nothing but the path ahead. She did not hear the rider approach to her side until he was almost upon her. When she turned and saw Cassia, she shouted with as much surprise as pleasure at meeting an old friend. His face was pale and drawn, but she took it to be merely from travel. "'What brings you back to Phrygius?' she smiled. "'Were you not treated well in Dwinin?' "'Well enough,' said Cassia. "'I have need of the Skeffington Coven.' "'Ride with us,' said Turala. "'I'll bring you to Ministera.' The four continued on and the witches regaled Cassia with tales of wayrest. It was evident that it was also a rare treat for Doriatha and Selefina to leave old Babian's farm. They had been born there as daughters and granddaughters of the Skeffington witches. Ordinary High Rock city life was as exotic to them as it was to Turala. Cassia said little but smiled and nodded his head, which was encouragement enough. Thankfully, none of the stories they had heard were about his own stupidity, or at the very least they did not tell him. Doyatha was in the midst of a tale she had heard in a tavern about a thief who had been locked overnight in a pawn shop when they crossed over a familiar hill. Suddenly, she halted her story. The barn was supposed to be visible, but it was not. The other three followed her gaze into the fog, and a moment later, they rode as fast as they could towards what was once the site of the Skeffington Coven. The fire had long since burned out. Nothing but ashes, skeletons, and broken weaponry remained. Cassia recognized at once the signs of an orc raid. The witches fell from their horses, racing through the remains, wailing. Selafina found a tattered, bloody piece of cloth that she recognized from Ministera's cloak. She held it to her ashen face, sobbing. Tarala screamed for Bosriel, but the only reply was the high-whistling wind through the ashes. "'Who did this?' she cried, tears streaming down her face. "'I swear I'll conjure up the very flames of oblivion!' What have they done with my baby? I know who did it, said Cassia quietly, dropping from his horse and walking towards her. I've seen these weapons before. 
I fear I met the very fiend responsible in Dwinnen, but I never thought they'd find you. This is the work of assassins hired by the Duke of Mournhold. He paused. The lie came easily. Adopt and improvise. What's more, he could tell instantly that she believed it. Her resentment over the cruelty the Duke had shown her had quieted, but never disappeared. One look at her burning eyes told him that she would summon the Daedra and wreak his and her revenge upon Morrowind. And what's more, he knew they'd listen. And listen they did, for the power that is greater than desire is rage, even rage misplaced. The year is continued in sun's dusk. 